Take your Bibles, if you would, and I want you to open up to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. I'm going to deviate from our regular uh, way of doing things tonight. Uh, You know I would continue in Matthew chapter 24, but I want to teach you something. I want to teach you on being taught. Being taught. I want us to open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll look into the word of God. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here. And Lord, I do pray that you will take our time together and that you will use it. Lord, I I ask that you would help us to be able to be better Christians as we pursue you and be in likeness of you. We ask you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this message, or really this teaching, Being Taught. And I thought a little bit about this, and I I wish I could say that this was all original with me. It's not. It's things that I've been taught. But I want to pass it along to you because I believe it can help, especially in what we were talking about today. Much of life is made up of being taught different things. Think about life. You are, what, taught how to eat. Your mom teaches you to pick up your fork the right way. You know, I remember my mom telling you don't hold your fork like this. And, and no, no, there's a certain way you hold it. You're not, you're not trying to kill something that's already dead, you know. And, and you, you hold your fork a certain way. You're taught don't, don't chew with your mouth open, right? Everybody doesn't want to see and hear what you're eating. We're taught how to read. You start with the very basics and you learn your alphabet. Somebody teaches you your A through Zs. And then you're taught vowel sounds and you're taught how to put words together and how to recognize words. And then you're taught how to read. We're taught how to write. We're taught how to write in block letters. And then we're taught how to write in cursive and these are some of the things that we're taught. We, we learn in school how to count. You know, everybody gets real excited when they have a little child or maybe they've got their grandbaby or their, their, their uh, little uh, son or daughter. And, and w- when they learn how to count to five or to ten, what, you're telling everybody. I mean, you know, you've got it on video and you're sending it out on Facebook and look how smart. I've got a genius of a grandson and, and all this kind of stuff. He's 16 and he can count to five now, you know. You know, we're taught. Some of us have been taught how to drive. Some of you got that, maybe not all. Most of us have a license, but some of us have been taught how to drive. (laughs) You spend hours doing that and practicing. I've never realized how much goes on in this parking lot since we moved over there. There's a lot of things that go on in this parking lot, some legal and some illegal. <laughs> One of them is learning how to drive. People put cones up and they, they're, and I think that's great. Hey, I don't want to chase those people away. Maybe, you know, I've, I've uh, uh, been able to talk with people about 
about the Lord and be able to invite them to church. They're on our grounds and things like that. But they're teaching their children certain things. Uh, uh, hopefully, you've been taught how to work hard. I had to learn some lessons about that when I was younger. That working hard is more important than playing baseball in the street. Working hard is more important than watching cartoons and those type of things. And I had to learn the lesson of how to work hard. Here's a big one. It's the God of our day. Many of us have been taught how to play sports. And we spend countless hours with our youth. And we pump hundreds and thousands of dollars into our young people to teach them how to play a certain sport a certain way. Why? In order that they would be good. And you know it's true. We've all have taught or been taught for many hours different things in our own lives. In order for what? In order to be productive citizens, right? The reason we learn these things is so that we can function within society. But I got to thinking this morning, well, I guess more this afternoon, a little bit about our service this morning. And I, I started to think about our challenge for Easter. And our six-week challenge, and it had to do, the first and the last weeks had to do with prayer. And I thought, I wonder how many people have ever been taught how to pray. Take a look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he stopped praying, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. I don't think that people don't pray because they don't want to. I don't think that people don't pray because they don't want to. I think people don't pray for a couple reasons. I think the reason that people do not pray is because, number one, they don't know how. Number two, because they don't know what to say. And number three, because they get bored. This verse tells us something about all three of those excuses. Oh, I don't know how. I don't know what to say. And I just get bored. See, I don't think that anything that Jesus ever did was boring. I think the reason that he attracted crowds, one of the reasons is because there was excitement about his ministry. 
And the disciples here, it says that they were watching Jesus, it says, and one of us, when he ceased praying, they, they were at least in earshot. They could, they could probably hear Jesus pray. They, there was something about the prayer that Jesus was praying to the Father that intrigued them. And they wanted to be a part of it. If it was boring, they wouldn't have asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. We forget so many times. We think the disciples were super spiritual. They were, they were as just as carnal as we are in many instances. They fought and bickered among each other. They had cultural issues among each other. They wanted to know who was going to be the greatest. They had pride problems. They were trying to cover up stuff so that Jesus wouldn't find out. Remember when Jesus said, take heed to the leaven of the Pharisees? They missed the whole point of the message. Just like we do, every, you know, I'll ask people, well, what, what did you learn from last week's message? And they're like, um, uh, God's good all the time. Because that's always a great answer, you know. <laughs> the disciples were just like us in many ways. And there was something about the prayer of Jesus that they wanted. See, this scripture tells us that prayer is something to be taught. Matter of fact, I find it interesting that they also knew that John's disciples were taught by John how to pray. They knew something about prayer, but they just weren't quite sure how to do it. They knew that they should pray, but they just didn't have what they felt were the tools. In John 11.1, 1, it says that John taught, I mean, Luke 11.1, 1, it says that John taught his disciples to pray. And they wanted Jesus to teach them. I want you to think, how many of you have been, ever been officially taught how to pray? How many of you were ever discipled and somebody came alongside of you and said, now this is how you pray? What is very interesting, people say, well, prayer is just talking to God, and it is. But guess what? You had to learn how to speak properly. You had to learn how to talk to people. Could you imagine if all I did, if I, say I was standing in front of somebody, and I raised my voice and I was talking like this to them all the time, saying, hi, how are you doing tonight? I'm really glad to see you. God bless you. I don't know that you would probably stay around too long, would you? Right, you say, that's not the proper way to talk to somebody. Or if I say, well, you know, I, huh, 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 hi. Well, no, son, lift your head up. What do we talk? Lift your head up, look a person in the eye, speak clearly, be respectful. What do, we are taught how to interact with one another. We're taught how to speak to one another. But then again, how many of you were ever taught how to pray? Oh, we want you to pray for 15 minutes a day for the next seven days. What are you going to say? But how many of you have ever been taught how to pray? I want to give you one method of praying. 
I want to be able to teach you by God's grace one way to pray. There are many different ways to pray, but I don't know that there is any better way to pray than this. I can give it to you in two words. Pray Scripture. Pray Scripture. One might say, what? Yes. You pray Scripture. I'd like you to turn over to the book of Psalms because this is probably the best place to start. And I'd like you to take a look here with me in the book of Psalms. And I want us to take a look at something. Donald Whitney in his book on prayer said this, God gave the Psalms to us so that we could give the Psalms back to God. No other book of the Bible was inspired for that express purpose. Gordon Wenham, in his comments on prayer, said this, The Psalms, they are designed to be prayed. Take a look at the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Psalms, chapter 23. Donald Whitney, as you're turning there, Donald Whitney went on to say in his book on prayer, By this means, praying scripture, the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to help the people of God pray increasingly according to the will of God. If I were to ask you how many of you in here want to pray according to the will of God, I believe every serious Christian would raise their hand and say, I want to pray according to the will of God. Because prayers outside of the will of God, what? Don't get answered. The reason that we pray is to see God move, right? The reason that we pray is to see uh, God uh, do miracles. The reason that we pray is to be able to uh, see God uh, heal uh, certain things, bring things back together, or to bestow great blessings upon us. And so we want to pray in accordance to God's will. God gave the book of Psalms to us so that we could give the, the, the Psalms back to God. No other book of the Bible was inspired for that purpose. In Psalm chapter 23, I want us to take a look here at how to pray Scripture. But before we do that, you might have one more question. Even though by praying the scriptures, the spirit of God will use the word of God to help the people of God increasingly pray according to the will of God, that answers a lot of questions, but you might still have the question, why? I want you to turn over to John chapter 6. This is why we ought to pray scripture. Take a look at verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. Take a look at this last part of the verse, part B. The words that I speak unto you, 
They are spirit. And they are life. See, when you pray the Bible, you're not just praying your words. You're praying the words of the Spirit, and you're praying words of life. I want you to take a look at Psalm chapter 3. You say, Pastor, how would, you, how would we pray Scripture? Well, maybe after you've, you're done reading your Bible, maybe you've had your devotions, and now it's time for you to pray. And you open up the Word of God, and let's just say that we corporately this evening, we open up and we're looking at Psalm 23. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, if you take a look at the first verse, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You take it by phrases. You can take it by combined words and pray that back to the Lord. For example, I think it's very interesting that it doesn't say a Lord is my shepherd. It says, the Lord. He's not just speaking about any God. He's speaking about the only true God. Didn't Jesus pray this way when he taught his disciples? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Maybe one of the ways that we could start off is say, Lord, I want to thank you for being the one true God. You are the Lord. You're the Lord the heaven, uh, that made the heavens and the earth. You're the Lord that came and sacrificed yourself on the cross for me. And Lord, I pray that you would be Lord of my life. I would ask that you would help me to submit to your lordship and your kingship in my life. And then there may be other things that may come to your mind as you're thinking about that, that, those two words, the Lord. But instead, you know what, how many of our prayers go, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Bless all the missionaries. Be with pastor, helping to preach a good message on Sunday. Help people to get saved in Jesus name. Amen. Just in those two words, there's a vast difference between just what I said in those two words, that type of prayer, and the prayer that I just prayed. The Lord. Then he goes on to say, the Lord is. Oh, Lord, thank you that you are. The Bible tells me, Lord, that you are the I am. The Lord is. Lord, thank you that you are present with me. It's not that he was, but that he is. And then it says, my shepherd. Lord, I want to thank you that you're not only a present shepherd, but you're a personal shepherd. Lord, I'd ask that you would shepherd me today. I need your guidance. I need you to provide for me as my shepherd. Lord, I pray that you would shepherd my children. Lord, I'd ask that you would guard their hearts and protect them. You see the difference between praying our words and the words of Scripture is that the words of Scripture are spirit and they are life. 
My words aren't. And you can think about different things in there concerning the shepherd. Lord, I want to thank you for how you have shepherded me to this point and how you've protected me, how, you, how you've cared for me. I want to thank you for that rod that, that, that guides me. I want to thank you for your tenderness towards me. Then it says, I shall not want. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to want for anything because you are all that I need. Lord, I pray that my desire would be greater for you than, than anything else. And I pray that you would meet my needs on a daily basis. And, and Lord, I, I am just so grateful for, and you can fill in the blank. I thank you, Lord, that I don't want for a roof over my head. I want to thank you, Lord, that I don't want for clothes on my back. I want to thank you, Lord, that I don't want for food in my house. I want to thank you, Lord, that I don't want for, and you can fill in the blank. See, praying scripture is a whole lot more powerful than praying our own words. You could go back and you could think, as I'm thinking about the shepherd, you could, it may bring to your mind, I don't know how the Lord would direct you in the prayers that you're praying through scripture, but the Lord may direct you and start thinking about the unsaved. Lord, would you please help so-and-so to know you as their shepherd? Then after you're done, verse one, however long that takes you, then you go into verse two. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Maybe the only thing that you can think of when you're thinking about that he makes me lie down in green pastures, Lord, I'd be ever so grateful if I could get a nap today. <laughs> I don't know what the Lord would bring to your mind when you think about that, but it could be that you might be thinking about, Lord, I want to thank you for providing for me. You've provided for me a place of rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You say, well, how do you, how do you pray? You pray until maybe nothing comes to, else comes to your mind, and then you move on to that next section, and you continue to pray, pray. You say, what if I don't understand the verse? What if I don't? Then just move on. But see, what happens is when you pray scripture, you're praying back to God his words to him. And the one thing that God does honor and always honors is his word. Not only can you pray the Psalms, and I would encourage you to pray the Psalms, as we think about our prayer challenge leading up to Easter. But you can also pray the New Testament. You can find in the epistles some of Paul's prayers that are very easy for you to pray back to God. Matter of fact, they, they need very little uh, adjustment to be able to pray them back to the Lord. You can pray every single section of Scripture. The easiest is to start with the Psalms, then go into the epistles. 
it's a little bit more challenging with the narratives. That's when you have stories. That's when you, the Old Testament and things like that. And you say, well, well, how do you do that just so that you know? We drilled down into Psalm chapter 23, didn't we? And we looked at a couple words and we looked at phrases and we looked at verses. When you pray a narrative, what are you looking for? You're looking for the big idea. Maybe it's in John chapter 5, if I remember correctly, where there was people that were healed. Uh, The man was healed, I want to say, at the pool of Bethesda. Don't quote me on that. I think it's John chapter 5. And you say, well, how would I pray about that? The big idea was to show that we would learn to, 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 to teach us to have more mercy upon those who may have physical difficulties. Maybe physical restraints. To be a more compassionate person like Christ was. See, I can be able to preach to you week in and week out, and I, I thoroughly enjoy that. And I can teach you principles from the Word of God and teach you to pursue Christ. But if I don't teach you how to pursue Christ, we're missing it. Because, folks, this right here, what I'm teaching you, oh, it may not be the greatest teaching upon the face of the earth, and I'm sure that there's somebody else that could teach it better, no doubt about it. But if you learn how to pray, if you learn how to get a hold of God, it will revolutionize your walk. Why else should we learn how to pray? I would say because persecution's coming. Persecution's coming. We are going to see the wheat separated from the chaff. I believe in my lifetime, I am going to see that. And if we don't know how to get a hold of God, we're not going to be sustained through it. You might say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know about this. I don't know if I can do this. Well, you don't know until you try. The, the only way to be able to learn to be good at something is what? Practice it over and over and over again. How did you learn how to hit a ball? You practiced it over and over and over again. In life, we spend many hours being taught certain things in order to be productive citizens. When was the last time anybody taught you how to pray? You say, well, Pastor, then what psalm? How, How will I know what psalm to choose? That's a really good question. You know what I found many times when people don't, they don't have a plan or a program, especially when it comes to um, reading the word of God. You know what happens? This is what we do. Chronicles, no way, not doing that book today. Uh Uh-uh. And we spend a whole bunch of time looking for something 
Instead of if we had a plan, we would know, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to do it. I think a really good question that you might be asking is, how do I know which psalm to pray? The average month has 30 days, right? We have 150 psalms. This is called the psalm of the day. And this is how you know what psalm to pray. I've learned this a few years ago, and then I was just reminded of it again. But if you divide 150, 30 into 150, you get five psalms a day. So you take today, today, say you were to start this this evening. Oh, what psalm should I pray? Need to look at five psalms. That's it. So what's today? March the first. So what psalm do you think you ought to turn to? The first one. Well, how do I figure out the other four? How many days are in a month? About 30, right? So we're going to use that number 30. So then what's 30 plus one? 31. Very good. Then what's 30 plus 31? 61. And then what's 30 plus 61? And then what's 30 plus 91? 121. They're your five Psalms. You take a look and you say, okay, I'm looking at that. You give a quick brief read over of Psalm 1. I, just, I, I don't know if the Lord's speaking to me that way. And you take a look at Psalm 31, 61, 91, then 121. You pick one of those five Psalms, maybe where you're at in your circumstance, wherever you find yourself, and then you start to pray through that Psalm. You say, Pastor, well, what if I don't have enough time to be able to pray that psalm? Then, then you pray uh, through uh, as far as you can. You say, well, Pastor, what if I pray through the psalm and I run out? And then you're done. But I can guarantee you this. If you pray scripture like this, you're never going to run out of things to say. You ever listen to some people pray? And I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but you hear, and... Um, uh, and they're thinking, man, I'm supposed to be praying for 15 minutes. And uh, yeah, Brother Richard, pastor asked us, and we got to pray for 15 minutes every day. I got to text somebody now. It's either pray or lie, pray or lie, pray. I can't think of anything else to say. Oh, it's 13 minutes. That's close enough. 13 is close enough. I mean, that's close to 15. It's, don't we round up in this country? Of course we do. See, one of the benefits of praying scripture is that you never run out of things to say. Another benefit of praying the scripture is that you don't keep repeating yourself. As a matter of fact, Jesus cautioned us about that. We would get on other religions about them repeating themselves in vain repetition. But how many times do we see and hear vain repetitions in the church of Jesus Christ? Over and over again, we get up and we hear people say the same prayers over and over again. Or our prayer before our meal is the same over and over again. There's nothing different about it. We are no better than those who just utter vain repetitions. See, the benefits of praying the scriptures is you won't run out of things to say. Matter of fact, guess what? Another benefit of praying the scripture is that you're not going to get bored. I think sometimes the reason people don't pray is because they get bored.
I think another benefit you're going to find is that your prayer life will be more about God than it will be about you. The other thing that you're going to find is that time's going to fly by. Time's going to fly by. You're going to be like, man. The wonderful thing is, you know, anybody can do this. If you know how to read, you can do this. From the youngest of children to the oldest of adults. Another benefit, you say, well, pastor, why should I do this? Because it will seem like a real conversation with a real person. Many times we think that our prayer, we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling or that we're just going through the motions. What's another benefit of praying like this? You will become more deeply passionate about what the Bible says. I believe you'll think more deeply about what the Bible says. Oh, we've already heard Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, 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 I know he's my shepherd. But when you start thinking about how he's your shepherd, it changes everything. Yeah, 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 John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah, I know that verse. You know, one of the, the saddest things for a preacher is to preach in a familiar verse because m many times, you know what happens is I can hear the click, 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 all across the auditorium. You say, what's that clicking? It's everybody's mind going off because they've said, oh, I already know this. You, you can't teach me anything new about that. I, I've heard that a million times. And when you start praying the scriptures, it gives you a deeper understanding of the word of God and you think more deeply upon the word of God. Another benefit is that it will give you greater assurance that you are praying according to the will of God. I believe that you'll also pray about things that you would normally not pray about. I believe that you will not continue to say the same old things. About the same old things. What will happen is you'll become more specific in your prayers. And more detailed in your prayers. And you'll learn to have true fellowship with the father. Now, none of you can say, nobody has ever taught me how to pray. You say it's that simple? Yeah. It's that simple. So all of us can be a praying people. If we're going to see God move in our midst, this coming up Easter, to be able to see people saved, be able to see guests upon our grounds,
we've got to know how to pray. So as I've challenged you to be able to pray 15 minutes a day for our Easter outreach, I would like you to use that time as you're praying for the Easter outreach to pray through the Psalms. So tomorrow, you could look at Psalm 2, 32, 62, 92, or 122 and maybe pray one of those Psalms within our Easter outreach. And thinking about the Easter outreach, thinking about those lost souls, thinking about people who need Christ, thinking about having contacts with them Because we can do all the planning, all the preparation, all the perspiration that one could possibly do. But if we don't pray, it doesn't matter. And when he ceased praying, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, Teach us to pray.